Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin. No Joe today. We both uh, came together and decided we would like to do a pod just kind of recapping all the coverage that we have of Kason Wallace. Just a spoiler for ahead. Um, all these are old clips before we knew about the pronunciation. So you're going to hear Kason a lot, but we do know it's Kason, uh, but thought you'd enjoy this. So we have um, a variety of interviews starting um, in chronological order from uh, May 23rd, May 30th, um, June 16th, June 20th, and then finally the last one is from June 23rd, the day after the draft with Joe and I uh, with our initial reactions. But we've got um, takes here from Derek Parker, uh, Raphael Barlow from NBA Big Board, and others. Um, but hope you enjoy it. Just for anyone who missed out on some of the older pods or didn't think the Thunder might take case on. Uh, here's a deep dive for you of just um, a little tidbits that we got uh, for you. Well, let's talk about Casey Wallace, 6'3", 193 pounds, 6'6", wingspan at 19 years old, out of Kentucky. Yeah, Kaysen is one of my favorite players in this draft and one of the players that I think the Thunder are really, really going to look at at 12 or potentially even a little higher if they wanted to trade up if someone was going to snag him. But he measured really well at the combine. I think he actually measured 6'4 with like a 6'8 wingspan. And he's so good defensively on the perimeter that if he was 6'2 with a plus wingspan, I'd still be happy. So the fact that he measured at 6'4, 6'8 is phenomenal. Probably the best perimeter defender in the entire class. Uh, can kind of switch between that tweener point guard and shooting guard role. Did it all year for Kentucky. By the end of the year, he was really running point a little more, which is what you want to see kind of roll into that. But he is pound for pound. Like the Drew Holiday comparison is so, so overused, but it's absolutely what you have to look at when you're looking at, at Case and Wallace and even Lou Dort sometimes too. Like just the way they move defensively, their instincts are so similar. And then offensively to to be able to have that versatility of like his catch and shoot numbers weren't great. They tapered off near the end of the year, but he can get to a respectable point. So if you can be a catch and shoot specialist and kind of swap in and out of that, like lead point guard role while giving elite defense, like what more do you want from a, from a guard? Like it, it, he's so versatile. He's so versatile. He's one of my favorite players from what I've seen of him. It didn't, exactly have anything that popped off the screen but what did stand out to me was just his stability and just how consistent he was it wasn't like highs and lows where it's like huge games small games but he didn't really sink to a point but he was just across the board solid which I think is going to translate into being a role player to that point he is a guy that I don't know what his range is in this draft because like you said, he's not flashy really in any way, but he is a guy that is going to impact winning basketball 1000%. So he could rightfully go at like seven or eight and a smart team would be like, we are getting an impactful basketball player for sure. Or he could slip to 12 where the Thunder are because he's just not as flashy as Jarris Walker or Azar Thompson. And I, I just don't know what his range is. If there's smart teams ahead of the Thunder, they'll take him. If not, I think the Thunder take a pretty hard look at number 12. Yeah, I like him too. The Thunder, you know, they have some space for some extra guards. I mean, this roster, like we talked about in part one, is pretty open where you can fit about anybody in there. So that should be interesting. But yeah, to me, he feels like a high floor guy. But I'm, what do you think his ceiling is if he does max out in a way on some of these things? 
ceiling is, I mean, first team all defense, first off, like his defensive ceiling, his instincts, he's just born with stuff like that. It's unteachable. And then offensively, it's kind of tough because I don't, I don't see him as like a long-term point guard necessarily. He, he can play point. He does find with the ball in hands, but I just don't know that I see that. And then I don't really see him as a pure shooting guard either. So maybe, maybe even in the sense of like Drew is his ceiling too, because Drew's not the primary point all the time. He's not the lead ball handler all the time. He can kind of swap in and out of those roles too. So I don't quite know what his ceiling is, but he's going to be a really good basketball player for sure. Yeah. And there's, you know, I wanted to know how he um, compares the recent crop of defense first guards with some questionable shots at that sort of size, like a, a Jalen Suggs, Davion Mitchell, and even going back. I mean, the way that you were describing him as a guy who can play on the ball, but you don't necessarily want to have the ball in his hands kind of reminded me of Patrick Beverly as well. Mm, yeah. Uh, Jalen Suggs. I think I would be lying if I said I like pre-draft, I wasn't higher on Jalen Suggs. He was a guy who I, I really liked and he just obviously hasn't panned out a ton. But definitely a similar mold. Who are some of the others? Patrick Beverly. That's interesting. Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell. Okay. He was a guy I was not crazy high on because he, his stock, do you remember that? It went yeah. like skyrocketed after his tournament run. Um, Pat Bev is interesting. He's got a little more catch and shoot to him than Pat Bev. The thing with Kaysen is his numbers like really got worse. He started out like shooting 45% from three. And I was like, this guy's going to go number six overall if he's going to shoot 45% from three. And it kind of got worse as the season went on due to him being more in that point guard role and not shooting as much from the catch. But I think, I really do think just from his shot motion and everything else I've seen from him, like you said, he's stable. That carries over to the offensive end too. I think he's going to be a good catch and shoot guy. So there, there's value in being able to draft him as both a two and a one and an elite defender. like. If you're getting Lou Dort and Shadow Lou Dort out there next to Shea, like what what is happening? Well, what about one, his, one of which can shoot off the catch? That would be great. Uh, what about his just overall defensive versatility? Because it feels like he'd be a guard defender most times, but with the Thunder's scheme and just the modern NBA, you're going to get switched a lot. Do you think he's going to be able to survive against bigger wings? He's definitely going to be at his best against one and twos, like undoubtedly at six, four. That's just how the NBA works, but he's going to be a guy that initially they might try to match up hunt. And I think they will quickly turn away from that strategy. Cause I mean, with a six, eight wingspan, we know, like we've seen it with J dub, your height doesn't matter near as much as the wingspan and six, eight is that's going to allow him to size up to threes. Fine. I think now again, one through five way overrated, not going to be able to do fours or fives at all. Likely. Um, but one and two, he's going to be elite against and threes. I think he'll do just fine. So what is it with all the Kentucky guards who have had like lesser roles in college? And then they kind of blow up at the NBA level guys like Shea, Tyler hero, Emmanuel quickly, Tyrese Maxey. Do you think that Kaysen is one of those guys? And like, what is, can you explain kind of the, the phenomenon there with all those Kentucky guards? It is inexplicable. If I could explain it to you, I would. It is one of the most mind-numbing things to happen every year. And that's another point here is like, what if that does happen? I don't think it will with Kaysen, but he just doesn't have the offensive juice that some of those guys had. And you can kind of tell. And he had the ball in his hands, which was a lot of issues with those guys is they were like Shea was relegated to like the two guard spot 
Yeah. So obviously that's going to limit him a little more doing what he does, but I don't, it, it's completely inexplicable. I, I can't wait to see Kaysen be a 25, five and five guy every night. Generational all-star type talent. Yeah. Allegedly is what's going to happen. Pretty interesting, but um, sounds like you're very high on Kaysen Wallace here. I am. I am. I don't think he'll probably be popular among the fan base just because, I mean, the guard situation, obviously everybody wants a front court piece. I agree with that too. Watching the front court can be a little, a little rough at times, but he's so versatile. I, I think he would, if you can slot him next to Shea in the starting unit as an elite defender and a catch and shoot guy and Josh and whoever else, but then also if he has the point guard chops to run the bench at times, like I just think that's so, so valuable. And it gives you, you know, just as pivot point, if he does really work out and you need salary to move in a trade, you have Dort, which we're not trying to move Lou Dort by any means, but it's just another option. A hundred percent. Yeah. Obviously, they value this archetype, too, in Lou Dort. So it's interesting. I, I think he'll get more looks there than people think. And who better for him to learn from if you have Lou Dort and Andre Robertson on staff just showing you the <laughs> film and stuff like that? I think, you know, you're, you're selling me on it right now. That's exactly right. First team all D in his future. So the first guy I want to ask you about is uh, Cason Wallace out of Kentucky. Yeah, Cason is a guy that I've actually started filming Cason when he was like in fourth grade, maybe fourth or fifth grade. I can't sit here and say like, you know, I'm that good of a scout. I was projecting a long time ago <laughs> that he was going to be, a, you know, an NBA player. But it was just pure coincidence. I was just a struggling videographer looking to make some money. And the coach of his team wanted somebody to film their games because he thought the team was good. And Kaysen just so happened to to be on that team. And and um, going back at the footage, it's like Keontae George is in the footage. I think Derek Whitehead. I mean, you can just see all of these kids. I mean, I had to have somebody help identify them. But all of these guys that are in, in this year's draft class. So anyway, long that was kind of off subject a little bit. So um, Kaysen is probably the most... I, you can make a case and say he's one of, if not the most complete prospects, simply because if you go down a list of strengths and weaknesses or areas for improvement, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, right? It's whether it's like he needs to bulk up or he needs to like make you know huge strides as a shooter. I mean, he's just balanced all the way across the board. Not saying that he doesn't have things to work on, but as far as like real glaring weaknesses or areas of concern, I'd say him and Kobe Bufkin are two of the guys that 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 are pretty complete, which the downside of that is sometimes when you don't have those glaring weaknesses and you're not like a phenomenal athlete, people tend to think that you're closer to your ceiling and you don't have the same upside and potential. But Kaysen is rock solid. I think he's the best defender in this class, as far as wing defender in this class. And he can play on and off the ball. And I think in how it relates to the Thunder, he is a, a piece that fits around the players that they already have. Yeah, I think he'd be a great piece to have off the bench as like a Dort insurance if they're ever looking to move him. Not saying they are, but Kaysen to me watching him, like you mentioned, is just stability and consistency with him. There's nothing that kind of like flashes off the page with a lot of the film that I've seen, but he just makes all the right plays. 
And, you know, I think the Thunder fans are familiar with a guy that went to Kentucky that was kind of drafted in this range that um, has shown a whole lot more in the NBA than he showed at Kentucky. And, I mean, Kentucky has a track record of, of their guards outplaying their draft position. So maybe Kaysen could be like Tyrese Maxey or Tyler Hero or, you know, the, the guy that's the all-NBA player that is in Oklahoma City right now. So I, I think Kaysen for the Thunder would, would be a win. With all those guys from Kentucky, do you ever look back at like draft boards and just like almost artificially move these guys a little bit higher, just watching how many guys succeed later on that most draft evaluators kind of have a little bit lower? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've given Kaysen the Kentucky bump. But even if he didn't have the Kentucky bump, I still think he would be someone that I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes as high as six or seven. I think the way the draft kind of um, the way the lottery results went. It probably helps the Thunder's case because a lot of the teams in the in that range already have like their primary ball handlers or their or their point guards and they may not be looking to add another. While I think the Thunder are just in they're basically just collecting assets and the most talented guys. And whether or not you think that's to package them down the road for another player or whatever, but I mean, we all know eventually the Thunder are going to have to consolidate some of their picks and some of their players on their roster. Yeah, can't put together a roster of 30 guys, unfortunately, as much as Presti would like to do that and just have the G League as yeah. their farm system. But I really like Kaysen. Well, you can just have them in the blue. You can just have a, a dominant <laughs> G League team. It's going to be like one of those high school teams, yeah, that just has like all the five-star guys where they have so many guys they can't even roster all of them. But yeah, Kaysen I really like, and I think that he could have great synergy with a lot of those guys. He's a great defender, good decision maker. I think he played a lot of point guard, and he would play more off the ball with the Thunder, but I think he's sort of comfortable in either of those environments. Yeah, and I mean, but I think that... Kentucky played their best ball with him at, at the point. I do think that is his best position. Now he can play off the ball. So, you know, I mean, the fit with the Thunder for him personally, as far as just like the huge role may not be be the best because the Thunder obviously set at, at the guard spot. But I think he would contribute to winning. And, you know, getting Kaysen and – you know, Chet, you automatically improve your defense right away. And usually young guys aren't going to like improve your defense like that just because there's young and there's such a big learning curve. But I think, I mean, you can make a case and say you got the best or, you know, the best front court defender in the 2022 draft and the best backcourt defender in 23 if you end up, you know, getting case in to pair along with Chet Holmgren. That's definitely enticing. And I liked what you said earlier about prospects who seem more complete, that there's like almost this um, idea that there's less of a growth plate with him. What do you see with Case? And do you think there's a lot more growth in his game? Or do you think this is, you know, not that he's capped out now, but it's kind of like he's just going to be a better version of this, maybe? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I sat and talked with him a few a few weeks back. And, you know, I did like a, a video of him working out. And um, and he mentioned that, that he doesn't really pay attention to social media much. So he doesn't see all this that's been said, but he has heard people say that. And and he had mentioned that he can really score the ball. And right now people are talking about him more so as a defender and as being a guy that is, 
you know, that contributes to winning, but he said he is a more capable of a scorer than people give him credit for. Had um, three of the same guys with Kaysen, Kobe, and Grady. I really like Kaysen a lot. He's my favorite of those three, but you sounded like you had some wow. um, some holdups with Kaysen. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that, but I want to hear your case. Um, my case is, I just don't know how he fits in offensively. Like, I don't know if he's a good enough you know, ball handler and playmaker to have the ball in his hands a lot. I don't know if he's a good enough shooter to sort of play off the ball. So I'm a little confused about his offensive role. Um, but defensively, he is an absolute monster and big, strong body dude. I, I mean, I'm just getting a ton of, of, of Lou Dort when I watch uh, Casey Wallace. So, you know, kind of the same questions we have about Dort offensively, but an absolute bulldog defensively. But um, I'm guessing if you're higher on him, you you believe in, in in some of the offensive skills. Yeah, I do. I think that he has some differences with Dort offensively where he has more uh, ball handling chops and just passing chops just as a player developing. He played point guard for most of the year at Kentucky on a team that um, was not very um, well constructed. Probably it's the best way to put it. And he made the most out of it. And he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is not something usually value super highly with a prospect you want to have like you know the potential and we'll get that in the next year but he's just solid across the board and I don't see him as a guy who's just not going to be an NBA player I think he's going to be one of those guys who you look up in a few years and maybe it's not on the thunder but he's going to be on a winning team like he could have played for that heat team in my opinion Yeah. And I think you and Derek Parker mentioned it on a recent pod of just like the track record of Kentucky guards is, is a sky high. Look no further than Shea Gilgis Alexander. You've had Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, um, Jamal Murray, like, like Booker didn't start. Shea didn't even start to begin the year. Um, Fox was was really really good on a on a good Kentucky team, but some of these some of these Kentucky guards, uh, Tyrese Maxey, quickly, yeah yeah, Tyrese Maxey is a great one. Like you just, it's hard to evaluate them because I've said this before, um, covering Kentucky, it's just a very antiquated offensive system. We all know there's no floor spacing in college basketball to begin with, um, but especially in Calipari's offense, so it's really hard for some of these guards to show off. Um, in that lack of space. So, you know, Kaysen Wallace could be that next Kentucky guard where it's like maybe we're just overthinking this. I had yes. instead of Buffkin, I had Kaysen Wallace, which I I will continue to try to sell try, you. I don't try to replace Blue Dort. That's not completely it, but <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine of like dame or whoever and somebody checks out and you're like oh finally dort i get a break and it's just another guy it's like dort very similar yeah it's like don't ever talk to me or my son ever again come (laughs) out here he's now it's his turn and just i like the idea of having one of those guys out there and it's the same trade-off that i mentioned of is the defense is good probably not but can the offensive stuff be better and i just like the case and from what I've seen has a very nice reality check of knowing who he is on a basketball team and not trying to do too much, especially on a flawed Kentucky team where he could have gone, you know, screw it. 
I'm not getting enough help. I'm going to shoot everything. He didn't do that. He kept operating and tried to be a team player. Uh, but I don't know. I like Kaysen. I don't have the the volume of time to convince you like Schlecht has for the last like year on Kobe Bufkin or six months. But I, I do like Kaysen Wallace. I like him a little bit more. I do like him more than uh, Bufkin. Maybe, but the Thunder had a fun night as they uh, trade up for Casey Wallace. I know that you are a former uh, former Kentucky guy. So, what was your reaction to Casey, or um, what was your initial reaction whenever you saw the trade up tweet from Woj or Shams? Yeah, I mean that's that's one we certainly circled. We we talked a lot about the Jazz at at nine and that being a trade up possibility. The Mavs were long speculated. I mean even on lottery night that, you know, who knows if they're going to keep that 10th pick. So um, the trade-up was not a big surprise. I was, I would say, mildly surprised by the trade-up target in Casey Wallace. I, I know you were really high on him. He he was on my five best guesses as to whom the Thunder will pick. So it was not, uh, not some shocker there. But um, we saw some other guys slide. But, hey, all in all, I would give the Thunder – a solid grade. I mean, no one knows how any of these guys are going to turn out, but Kaysen Wallace as a prospect seems as, as steady as they come. A guy that can play impact NBA defense. It looks like um, from day one, beware to to anyone handling the ball around him and, and Lou Dort because that spells trouble. He could be Dort's um, uh, kind of relief. Uh, Dort comes out. Jason Wallace comes in and you kind of have that same level of de defensive intensity. You know, some people are talking about long-term replacement, perhaps. I'm not going to go anywhere near that for now. Um, and then, you know, there's a playmaking upside offensively. The shooting numbers were pretty solid. 35% um, from three, a decent foul shooter. So uh, I thought it was a good night for the Thunder. They, they obviously traded up to get their guy. Yeah, it was really interesting just the way the draft was shaping up because you have the obvious first few guys going um, with Victor, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, two Thompson twins, Anthony Black, and then uh, Bilal Koulibaly goes up to number seven. He's then traded to number eight in the Wizards. It looked like the Thunder it was kind of breaking their way with Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks falling. And then, of course, those two guys go immediately after. And just looking at the board, it felt like Kaysen was the best option uh and they trade up to tend to get him but uh, like you mentioned i've been big on Kaysen for a little bit um he's 6'3 193 6'6 wingspan at 19 he averaged 12 um points per game four rebounds per game and four assists per game on 45 35 76 uh shooting splits including four attempts from three per game yeah but like you mentioned just the the defense is going to be his calling card and we've seen that with mark dagnall that if you can't defend you're not going to get on the floor Kaysen's going to have a lot of time on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And you, you uh, talked about how the draft shook out there. Um, so at 12, you, or at 10, I, I suppose, you're looking at the possibilities. Kaysen was certainly among them. Um, perhaps he would have been the favorite to be drafted at that slot. Other guys, though, I thought were in contention. Um, I mean, Grady Dick never really felt like a Thunder guy, given their track record, but I uh, always thought he'd be a good fit. He was still on the board. Kobe Bufkin, the the much-talked-about Kobe Bufkin, slid to 15, so he was on the board. Um, Cam Whitmore. God. 
sunk like a like a rock in the Hudson River uh, all the way down uh, to number 20. Again, didn't think he'd be there for the Thunder, but we talked about him not really being a Thunder guy. This was the biggest shock to me as far as followers, though. Well, after Whitmore, Leonard Miller was among yeah. the five players. I guess the Thunder would take at 12, and he goes 33rd. Yeah, the whole time I was like tweeting, I was like, hey, um, if we could just somehow get the Thunder trade back in for Leonard Miller. But now we're going to have to watch the Minnesota G League team in a two-man game of Leonard Miller and Luca Garza up there. Oh, just no. disgusting stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited about Kaysen. He's a guy who can play on or off the ball. He helps with some of the backcourt um, backup uh, point guard minutes that you don't necessarily want to put a bunch of miles on Shea. Uh, Giddy and J-Dub and it felt like at times you know because those guys aren't going to be healthy all year necessarily whenever there was only two of those guys as the Thunder definitely did miss having some extra point guard like initiator play like the Thunder are known widely for playing in a style where anybody can bring up the floor uh, bring the ball up the floor and initiate but I think even the Thunder would admit that there's um certain guys that you'd reasonably want to have the ball in their hands a little bit more and I think Kaysen can supplement some of those minutes yeah here's what i'm writing about today because i've heard this argument a lot of places is the thunder has why, why would they draft another guard like they need they need more size and they need another big man they either need a traditional center or they need um, a power forward to play next to chet so anyone who believed that um might have been disappointed by case wallace who is a six forward guard but Here's the deal. Like, I would just, I would just forget about positions for a second because that is not how the Thunder plays. And you look at what we would call their guards. Shea is a guard. He is a lead guard offensively. Ball is going to be in his hands. He's not always a guard defensively. Sometimes he, sometimes they put him on the opposing team's four. I mean, he he mainly he, he's not a point of attack defender. Um, Josh Giddy, same sort of thing. I would say he is a guard, uh, not always the lead guard, but sometimes uh, offensively. But again, they park him on other guys defensively. Lou Dort guards anyone, and on the offensive end, he plays more of a wing role on, on this team. Jalen Williams, he's going to open the ears of the Thunder starting power forward. Now, is he a power forward? Not in the traditional sense, but again, they're. Forget traditions. Isaiah Joe's a wing. Lindy Waters is a wing. Uh, I keep scrolling down the roster. Aaron Wiggins is a wing. Here's the one guy. If one guy is a guard on both ends of the floor, it's Trey Mann. That's about it. So it, it's like I, I don't really get. I, I don't really get the argument um, of them having too many guards. I think it's just us, you know, thinking about that in sort of an antiquated way. Whereas like. Sure, Josh Giddy's a guard, but he's 6'8. Shea's 6'6. Um, Jalen Williams is 6'6. Like they've got a ton of size. Wallace doesn't have a ton of size. He's more like Dort, not quite as stocky, um, maybe an inch taller than Dort. Um, I, I just don't really see that as a problem with a team that's as far away as it is, as far as being like a legitimate NBA title threat. Yeah, I don't see it as a problem either. I think it's just the lazy knee-jerk reaction of looking at Chet and thinking, oh, well, you need more size, which is just yeah. like the most simple thing there. And it's like, yeah, you'd probably like some more size, but I don't know that 
drafting in the top 10 unless you're getting Victor Wembanyama or some of these like more heralded prospects like a Chet Holmgren drafting just a giant guy as your center just because usually doesn't work out like I'm not super high on Derek Lively maybe it'll work out but who knows and then um you mentioned a little bit that this could be a good thing for Dort or a bad thing on the positive side you know I think that it's going to relieve him of some pressure he's not going to have to play he can play less minutes, but in the minutes he plays, he can play that much harder. And then you saw it last year, a lot of times where he'd get in foul trouble and the Thunder were kind of, they'd throw out Aaron Wiggins, but it wasn't the same. Now you have like a very nice uh, replacement in the back. And I'm not saying that he's going to replace Dort. I'd say it's more of a Dort insurance. Yeah. And listen, the Thunder loves Dort yeah. for everything he does. And I think that's why they love Case and Wallace because there's some similar trademarks there defensively I, I think Wallace certainly has a better feel for the game offensively um, but defensively if he could become Lou Dort or something very close to that that would be an excellent win because Dort is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA you could have those two guys on the floor together wreaking havoc or like you're saying I mean Case and Wallace barring something totally unforeseen is going to come off the bench so he can relieve Lou Dort. They can play together some. Um, again, I think you could play, you could have, you know, a lineup of Shea Dort, uh, Case and Wallace, or Giddy Dort, Case and Wallace. Like those guys could play together, um, maybe with some more shooting uh, at that four spot. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's, I don't know if they're looking at it like, okay, let's get some Lou Dort insurance. I mean, they're not, but that's that's essentially what it is. But more so, it's just like they, they like this player prototype. And um, I I think just talking to Casey Wallace briefly last night strikes me as a very serious guy, kind of no-nonsense, going to go in there and do his work. Uh, it's it's kind of like Lou Dort. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we talked to Sam last night, I asked him about Kaysen, and he said something that stood out to him about Kaysen is he plays no agenda basketball, which just goes out there, and he's just making winning plays. He said that it um, the first time that he really noticed him was at the McDonald's All-American Games, and he said mm -hmm. it's because he was out there, and it's all business. With McDonald's, a lot of guys treat it kind of like an all-star game environment, and he said that Kaysen was there definitely uh, like on a business trip. And he could just see that he's doing all these winning plays, even in an environment like I mentioned with McDonald's, where guys are trying to do dunks off the backboard. And he's like boxing out and like chasing down rebounds and stuff. And he just talked about the, his competitiveness. And then um, as much as the um, going back to the archetype thing that you were talking about, I think that's definitely true because Mark raved all of last year about Dort's uh, point of attack defense. And Case, and you're getting another guy in that who I don't think Mark's going to complain about. No, Mark's going to love this guy, and uh, I said this last night on the Dream Team podcast, but if you're, you know, there, there's very few, like, two-way players in the sense that they're elite on both ends of the floor, but um, if you lean more heavily defensively or offensively and want to play for the Thunder, that pendulum better swing toward the defensive end um, because that's that's how you're going to to get on the court, and, you know, if you've if you're a good offensive player but can't do anything defensively or is not at least willing to fight defensively, probably not going to get on the floor for this team. 
Yeah, I think Kaysen is going to slot in really well as a role player on this team. I feel like he knows his um his usage and what he should be used as. And I think his teammates and coaches will empower him, but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy we're going to have a bunch of times thinking, you know, why did he shoot that? What was that shot? Why would he make that decision? I feel like he's just solid. Um, maybe there's going to be things you want more out of him, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of volatility in his game. Yeah, I um, I, I could be totally wrong about this because we don't know how any of these guys are going to turn out, but he doesn't. He seems more on like the uh, the J Dub type pick than the Jane type pick, where it's I, I mean J Dub now that we've seen has sky high upside, um, but like Kaysen Wallace is not a project. He's not a guy that we're going to be talking about. Oh, is he going to be in the G League? I mean, maybe some. Who who knows? Almost everyone goes down there at some point. Um, but I, I think he's he's more of a ready made. Uh, player like his his skills just translate yeah it's not like an incredibly high ceiling thing but i just don't see a path where it's like he's just not going to be a helpful player that doesn't mean he's going to be really good but i feel like he can contribute to winning just through some of his dna as a basketball player a lot of it's going to come down to the shot but i'm very excited you mentioned you got to talk to him last night um what was that like well one i think he was you know, rightfully so, just overwhelmed. Like the the draft is just an insanely long day and a happy day, but just like this range of emotions. And you know, once they get once they get picked, obviously go up on stage, shake Adam Silver's hand, and then there's like this. It's like a relay of of interviews, just one after another, after another, after another. Um, kind of a cool moment from last night is he's going on so he gets picked he's uh talking to like an in-house set that's being broadcast like throughout the arena dennis scott some other folks and uh they're wiring him up and everything micing him up and he's watching on the monitor as the thunder stick comes across the screen he's still wearing his mavericks hat because he was drafted 10th overall trade it hadn't been processed everything like that and he sort of smirks a little bit when Derek Lively's name is announced because he knows he's in fact the Thunder's pick. So that was kind of a cool moment. Um, also some symmetry just because, you know, he's technically a Dallas draft pick, of course, traded to the Thunder, but he's from Dallas and um, not too far down I-35 from Oklahoma City. Uh, and that was the, the biggest thing talking to him was, He's he's very proud of where he came from. I mean, if anyone's wondering what the HPT that was stitched in red all over his black suit uh, signified, it's Hamilton Park, Texas. Hamilton Park is a neighborhood in North Dallas. Um, and he talked about kind of his path and what he's been through. And hopefully we learn more about that story. Um, but um, it just seems to be a gritty guy. And that's kind of how he wants to do things. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast and supporting us. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, at Thunderbud on uh, Pod on Twitter. And we'll be back again on Tuesday for more Thunder Basketball talk. See you then. <laughs>